0: ask me all the time, what can my baby see? And the truth is, I do not actually know. They don't teach us anything in medical school about eyeballs or teeth. That's one of our little doctor secrets. So I started reading about what babies can see. And when you first look around the internet, there are Thousands of blogs from optometrists that talk about the baby having a visual acuity of 2400 at a certain age, and then it gets them better. And then they talk about their blurry vision and how that improves. And there's a lot of talk about color vision. A lot of articles and websites say newborns can only see in black and white, but other sources say they can see some colors. And we do know that kids actually can see some colors when they're really young, but honestly, this debate is irrelevant. These descriptions of what a baby can see are oversimplified. I dug deeper into the research on baby's vision and learned a little bit more about how the visual system works. That's how I found Dr. Lisa Oaks. She studies infant visual cognition at the University of California at Davis. She's going to answer this question, what can my baby see? I'm Dr. Wendy Hunter, and I'm the pediatrician next door. I'm that doctor friend you call for practical advice about your kid's health. I mix the science of medicine with the reality of parenting. Babies are born with eyeballs and a visual processing center in the brain, but their ability to see the way we do is not fully developed. When they're born, they really haven't had much opportunity to see stuff, and you have to see stuff to learn how to see. Dr. Lisa Oaks is a developmental psychologist at the University of California at Davis. She studies infant visual cognition at the Center for Mind and Brain. So how, Lisa, how is infant visual cognition different from like just
1: being able to see, just vision? That's an excellent question. We often talk about the difference between what the system can sense, detect, versus what the system can make sense of. So when we talk about the eyeballs working and being able to detect light, that's the ability to sense that there's something out there. But seeing what those patterns of light as a face or as your cat or a flower, that requires more than just detecting those Patterns of light, but actually making sense of it, putting the information together and relating it to your past experience.
0: Right. So, cognitive abilities working together, like your sense of balance, working with your vision. The other thing I often think about too is that, like, if a baby's in the room, so, like, you've got like a three month old in the room and a cat runs across their field of vision, like, there's a speed to that cat and a direction, and a color. So how how do those abilities develop together, and, and do they need to?
1: All of those things need to develop. One of the things when a cat goes across in front of you or a child, that one of the things you have to do is recognize it as a cat, which would involve recognizing the shape, the color, maybe the way it's moving. But if you want to follow that cat as it scatters across the room, there is a whole other set of processes that are involved in visually following. And that's independent from you knowing that it's a cat. Your ability to just move your eyes along um, and follow a moving object also has to develop. And that develops pretty early. People who have been around newborns, you know that newborns have that kind of the lights are on, but nobody's home kind of look. I mean, I often will tell people who have babies that somewhere around when the child is two months, it'll seem like they're in the world. But before that, they're like looking, but you can't quite figure out what they're looking at. They might follow things that move in front of them, but they're, they're going to be laggy and slow. And so those first couple of months, a lot of what is developing is just the ability to control your eyeballs, the ability to follow things that are moving in front of you, and a lot of that just kind of being able to focus without necessarily recognizing what you're looking at. I remember when I was first starting to teach about vision and about visual cognition and You know, everybody would talk about, oh, well, the newborn baby doesn't yet have the ability to focus their lens. And so you hold the baby 10 inches away from your face, and that's the closest that babies can see. Because they can't focus, that's what they can see. But that's really assuming that the only thing that has to develop is the ability to focus the lens. So Indeed, it's true that at a close distance like that, that's the best that the baby can see. But it's important to remember that they don't have as many of the receptors in their retina to pick up light. Their receptors aren't mature. They're very immature, so they're not getting as much information. The information that's getting to the brain, the brain hasn't figured out what it's going to do with that information about light or hasn't organized it and learned how to process it. So... When a newborn infant looks at something 10 inches away and it's as clear and as crisp as it can be for a newborn infant, from our view, it would seem hazy, muted. You wouldn't see a lot of details. So yeah, it's as good as it gets from a baby's perspective, but it's very far from what we experience from seeing something that's only 10 inches away from us.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting because parents often think about it as just blurriness but the truth is that if you don't have the equipment in your body already honed, you're going to see things more like static coming through and not just blurriness, but but not a true radio signal to the brain.
1: That's right. I mean, even as adults, what we think we see is really our brain's interpretation of what we see. We're not actually seeing the world as our eyes and our brain can take the information in and interpret it. We think about other animals being, you know, oh, do dogs see color or can cats see better in in the night? And We don't really have a problem thinking about how what they see is different from what we see, but it's harder for us to think about babies as having those sort of different kinds of visual processes or the that it's not just an, oh, it's just not a blurry version of what you're going to see later on, but it's actually pretty different from what you're going to see later on. And I think for a lot of us, a developmental scientists, we think that's really important because before birth, there's not a lot of visual information. So the visual system, that part of the brain, it hasn't had a lot of input. And if a baby was born and opened its eyes and saw what William James called the blooming buzzing confusion, saw bright colors and lots of sharp images and lots of detail, it would be completely overwhelming. So in a certain sense, less is more, right? So that the newborn infant who can see things that kind of looks like we think, it looks like they're in shadows and and see sort of Big features, but not a lot of fine details that might be really important for their brain to train up on visual information and become able and ready to process more detailed information when they're four or five, six months old and the system is in a better shape.
0: That's hilarious. I'm trying to imagine if a baby's visual system was completely intact, like right when they're born, they would come out here and open their eyes and be like, what the heck? It would just be way, way too
1: much, right? So they're born with blinders on. Yes, that you can think that it's nature's way of helping to make sure that they can deal with the information that is given them and they can learn from it.
0: That's fascinating. I'm glad you mentioned earlier the photoreceptors, which allows us to sense light because parents often turn the lights down for their young babies. And it's really probably not necessary. They don't really receive all that much light signal into their brain because they don't have a lot of photoreceptors. So when babies are in the womb, what can they see?
1: That's a very hard question. (laughs) So there's not a lot of light in the womb but it's not completely dark either. Also, the eye, the visual system is working before birth. We know this to be true because babies who are born prematurely still can see, but there's just not a lot to see in the uterine environment. So when babies are in the womb, they could see more than they do. It's just that there's not that much to see. Scientists have Recorded sounds from in the uterus. So we know what fetuses, what sound is available to the fetus. It's much harder to record what visual information is available to the fetus. But like I said, we know that the visual system is working. We know that there are eye movements. We know there's retinal activity during the prenatal period, although it might not be in response to light necessarily, that one of the fascinating things about prenatal development is the systems sort of do a lot of spontaneous activity, like they're practicing for what they're going to do once they actually encounter information out in the real world. And so part of what might be happening with the visual system prenatally is not so much seeing or experiencing light, but some of the nervous system kind of doing some practicing, trying to figure out how these wirings are working before it actually encounters something that it can actually see.
0: So I know babies can hear their mother and recognize them after they're born. Do you think there are visual cues that allow kids to recognize their mothers early? There have been
1: studies that have shown that within hours or days, infants already seem to recognize the visual Impression of their mother. So within a couple of days after birth, babies will show evidence that when they see their mother's face, they recognize their mother's face. It's a little bit unclear because it might be that they're using the sound of the mother's voice or the mother's smell to make that recognition. It is clear that babies learn about faces very quickly. So it's a little bit ironic that they're born with these very poor visual abilities and they can't see details of faces, but they look at faces more than they look at anything else. And they rapidly learn about faces. And so they do learn about their mother's face very quickly. What probably is happening in those first few days is that the babies are born already with some memory of odors and tastes from what was in the amniotic fluid. And then once the baby's born, that gets associated with what the mom's face looks like. And so some of that rapid learning is probably also the baby associating the odors and the tastes that were already familiar with this new face that they're seeing for the first time.
0: Babies can recognize their mother's face within days of being born. And in fact, they can recognize many people's faces in just the first few weeks of life. There was one interesting study in France. The researchers showed four day old infants pictures of their mother's face and pictures of the face of strangers. This experiment was especially cool because by using photos, it eliminated the possibility that the baby was using smell or sound to identify their mother. The researchers found that the newborns looked longer at the photo of a mother than of a stranger. Then in a second experiment, the researchers discovered that the babies couldn't tell their mother from a stranger if they were both wearing head scarves. They suspect that newborn infants look at the borders of objects, especially high contrast borders. So when they look at a human face, a newborn looks at the hairline. So this means dads should not wear hats that cover up their hairline, but mom's headbands are probably fine. After about two months of age, babies start to pay more attention to facial features, and this may be related to their vision getting more mature. You're familiar with the idea of having 20-20 vision or 2,200 vision. We call this your visual acuity. Pediatricians test your child's vision at most of their well-child visits. And in kids under age five or so, normal vision is actually worse than 20-20. So what I look for is a difference between the two eyes. And I don't worry that much about how good the vision actually is. I asked Dr. Oaks about this. In terms of acuity, it's interesting. I think parents often are very concerned about whether their child is 20-20 or 20-40. And In pediatrics, we don't worry about their acuity until, like you said, about age six. And before that, what we're really looking for is a difference between the two eyes. Because if one is stronger than the other, then we worry about their experience of the environment. So that's the only thing we really focus on in pediatrics.
1: Well, actually, that's really an important thing to focus on because if the two eyes are different in their ability to see... The brain can't figure out how to reconcile that difference. And in extreme cases, the brain will learn to ignore one of the eyes, the eyes with the poorer vision, and that even though the eye is a functioning eye, it's connected to the brain, it will it will basically not have much impact on it no information from that eye will get processed by the brain. It affects depth, perception, and all kinds of things. So, and oftentimes this is when we see strabismus or lazy eye or cross eyes or whatever is often involved in in that whole equation as well. And so those are things that I think it's really important for parents to trust their pediatrician when their pediatrician is trying to asking them about, do you see your child's eyes moving separately and not just when they're tired or whatever, that those are things that are very important to catch early because that experience of seeing and seeing with your two eyes working together it's very important for the way the brain develops and the way you will see as an adult but fortunately we have good strategies for strengthening a weak eye you know and it sometimes involves surgery but oftentimes it's just a wearing an eye patch the other piece of your research Um, that I found so interesting was you study
0: objects that have handles, like a coffee mug kind of handle. So how did you
1: come up with the idea to study that? And what does this show us about visual development? The way we think about and make sense of the things we see, it's not just how our eyeballs work and how our brain is working, but it's how our vision is working in the context of our whole body. As adults, we have no problem looking for our coffee cup and reaching out for it and grabbing it. But this is something that develops over infancy. And, you know, people have known about the development of what we call visually guided reaching for a very long time, that infants can learn how to look at objects, how to follow objects, but it's not until somewhere between four and six months, right? That infants are very good at looking at something, reaching out for it and grabbing it. Or if something is moving around in front of them, anticipating where that object is going to be and watching it and grabbing for it, right? You've watched little babies sort of batting at things in front of them on their stroller or in, uh, when they're laying on their backs. And somewhere around four months, they start to look really good. Like, oh, I can look for it and I can reach for it. And this involves this whole complex combination of motor skills and connecting it to visual skills. One of the remarkable things that happens when infants are six or seven months is they become able to sit unassisted and being able to sit unassisted frees up their hands and it frees up their hands to do all sorts of other things with objects right they can reach out and pick up objects off the floor they can move an object from one hand to the other hand they can hold things in their hands and rotate them around and and see the objects from all different angles a long time ago we found we did a study and we found that once infants could sit the appearance of objects they paid attention to the appearance of objects in a way they hadn't before infants who couldn't sit very well couldn't pick up objects when we showed them pictures or movies of objects, they didn't care so much what the objects looked like. But once infants were able to really pick up and play with objects in a sitting position, then they cared about what the objects looked like. And this made us realize that the infant's ability to act on the world was changing the way they were looking at and seeing the objects in their world. And so we thought, well, what's really important when you start being able to reach out and pick up objects? the handles of objects. And so we thought maybe what was going on, it wasn't just that infants were interested in what objects looked like, but they would be especially interested if the object had a handle or something that looked like if you reached out and grabbed it, you could hold on to it. Because before they could do that, that part of the object would be meaningless. But once they developed that ability, that part of the object started to have meaning for them. And so that's how come we we did that study. And what we found was that as infants developed motor abilities or infants who had more developed motor abilities, the more they were interested in objects with handles for younger infants or infants who hadn't yet developed the same motor abilities— They looked equally at objects, whether or not they had handles. So the handles didn't matter to them so much.
0: What should parents know about infants and children's vision and their development to help their kids or understand them better?
1: So one thing I found pretty surprising was that even basic visual acuity, right? The thing that gets tested when we go to the eye doctor what we get our vision gets corrected for that adult like visual acuity, 2020 vision, it's not there until kids are six or seven years old. So, one thing is, especially with very young children, is just to keep in mind that their vision, what they're seeing, is different all through early childhood. I think the other thing is, as I was saying before, that It's not just that their acuity isn't good, but it's lots of other things are developing that are helping to shape the way children see the world. I like to talk about it in terms of children have to learn how to look, and they look to learn. So they learn about the world by looking at the world, but they don't know how to look at the world. And that over infancy and and probably beyond, a lot of what's going on is the development of all those underlying processes that is helping them to learn how to look. And one of the examples from my own work that I I like, as I always said, we have looked at four month old infants who live with a pet at home versus who don't live with a dog or cat at home, and what we find and when we show infants pictures of dogs or cats, that those four month olds who live with a pet at home, they look at the heads and the faces of the pictures of dogs and cats more than infants who do not have a pet at home. What this tells us is that experience of seeing that dog or cat walk across the room, sitting in the window, whatever, in those first four months, the infant has already learned to look at the face of, the, of animals when they see animals because that's where the important information is. And it turns out that even for dogs and cats, we get a lot of information about their identity, their emotions or whatever, their, their state by looking at their face. And, you know, the other infants are going to learn that, but that we can see that those four-month-olds who've lived with the dog and cat have already learned something about how to look at pictures of animals that the four-month-olds who haven't been raised with a dog or cat haven't yet learned.
0: It sounds like you're advocating for every family to have a dog or cat. (laughs) And this is sponsored by the ASPCA.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, because the infants who don't have a dog or cat, they have something else that they've got in their home and their everyday experience that they're learning about. And so what I like about the dog or dog and cat example is... It shows us something that's not a huge difference between kids, but shows us how differences in kids' everyday environments are shaping what they learn. Very, very young babies. So you talk about babies who live in a multi-generational household versus a kid who lives with just their mom and dad, or kids who are live in a very diverse part of the country versus kids who live in a place where everybody has blonde hair and blue eyes. All of those differences are going to shape what kids are learning. And my bottom line is that they're adaptable. They adapt to the environment that they are born into and they learn what they can from that environment.
0: The answer to what can a baby see is that it depends. It depends on what we show them. What they can see soon after birth is dull And it may look like shadows, their vision is complex and it requires other skills like being able to use the muscles of their eyes and their neck to turn to find an object and to be able to move their eyes to follow an object. Babies need to be exposed to bright light and moving objects and a variety of faces to educate their brain to process what they see and for their structures of their eyes to grow and to develop. The lessons here for parents, You don't need to turn the lights down. Don't cover up your hairline with a hat or scarf. Expose your child to a variety of different faces and animal faces, too. It's a great idea to look at books together with photos of lots of different people and lots of different animals. We know that babies and kids can learn from looking at pictures. Dr. Oaks and I had a long conversation about how babies learn to see faces that is not included in this episode. We talked about how exposure to animal faces or faces of people from other races shapes kids' ability to recognize other people's faces and other animals. You can find this in a bonus episode. Thank you to Professor Lisa Oakes from University of California at Davis. She's also faculty at the Center for Mind and Brain. If you're interested in learning more about her research, you can find links to her published works on the UC Davis website, Or even better, you can find her on Twitter. She often posts that she is in need of research assistance. It sounds like the job primarily involves playing with babies all day. This episode went pretty deep and you might feel smarter now. Do you have any nerdy parent friends? I bet they'd like to know this stuff too. Be sure to share this episode, follow the show so you don't miss the bonus content, and please leave me a review. For more from The Pediatrician Next Door, find me on the web at pediatriciannextdoorpodcast.com. If you've got a question about the weird things kids do, send an email to hello at pediatriciannextdoorpodcast.com for a chance to hear your voice on the show. I'm Dr. Wendy Hunter, and I'm The Pediatrician Next Door. This show is produced by Red Rock Music. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever it is you're listening. I'll be back next time with more.